Hey, y'all. Good morning. My name is Cameron. I use he, him, his pronouns, and I'm the worship pastor here at Zao MKE Church. Typically, you see Jonah uh, in this spot preaching, but when Jonah and I were talking about this sermon series, um, I couldn't help but to preach on the Ethiopian eunuch. Okay, that's not true. Jonah really pushed me uh, to do this here today. But honestly, the Ethiopian eunuch is one of my favorite stories. I see myself in this story. It's so important that we are here talking today about the Ethiopian eunuch. Some people would argue that it, because of the Ethiopian eunuch, the first Gentile to be converted to Christianity, the gospel spread to the rest of the world. There's a lot of debate about this, um, but I don't really want to get into the debate about it. However, that's really not the point. This story is significant because let's be real, the Ethiopian eunuch represents so many things. One, the Ethiopian eunuch is Ethiopian, right? So what does that mean? This person has black skin, y'all. This is a black person. Two, this was a eunuch. That means that this person was outside um, sexual norm, right? They were the outcast, maybe aside. And three, this person is overlooked, was overlooked then, and continues to be overlooked now, especially right now in the usual white, heteronormative, oppressive system of Christianity that a lot of us are often in. So when we were in this series called It's Complicated, let's get into that complication. We've been talking about queer, uh, like a queer, feminist, anti-racist lens on some of these stories. And so why in a series about relationships are we actually talking about the Ethiopian eunuch? Well, for me, I'm going to tell you something super, super cheesy. It's something that I hated hearing growing up. When you are trying to be in relationships, we have to love ourselves. Now, what I am not saying, please do not hear me when I say that we need to love ourselves to be in good relationship. What I am not saying is that relationships complete you. I am not saying that once you love yourself, magically this wonderful human will come and swoop you up and you'll be in this beautiful relationship. I think that's toxic. I think that has hurt me and that has hurt so many people around me. That is not what I'm saying here today. So please, as we move forward, do not hear that. What I am, however, saying is that I know for me, there were so many times that I wasn't loving myself. And so it was hard for me to then love others. When I'm not giving myself the love and the compassion that I deserve personally, how then do I give that out to others? And how is it if I don't deal with my shame, my sadness, and the unacceptance that I might feel, I then turn around and give that same thing to others. So this is why this is important for us today. First, before I jump in, I just want to show you a few of the resources that I used today. 
So first, we have um, Transforming by Austin Hartke. Austin is a trans Christian and so informative to my life. Y'all, when I was starting to try to figure out how to deal with being trans, this is the book that uh, really, really helped me. Second, uh, Lynn Marie Tonston's Queer Theology. Uh, Lynn Tonston is a, a professor and theologian at Yale. And finally, the Queer Bible Commentary. Y'all should definitely check those out. The story of the Ethiopian eunuch. Let's take a deeper look. First, you might be wondering, well, what the heck is a eunuch? <laughs> um, I have heard this debated and debated by many, many folks. So I would love to start off by what Jesus said. So Jesus said in Matthew 19, 12, for there are eunuchs who have been so from birth, and there are eunuchs who have been made eunuchs by others, and there are eunuchs who have made themselves eunuchs for the sake of the kingdom. Let anyone accept this who can. So Jesus sees that there are three different types of eunuchs. Again, we know that there are eunuchs that have been so from birth. There are eunuchs who were made eunuchs by someone else, and then there were eunuchs who chose to be a eunuch for the sake of the kingdom. What we can see here, first and foremost, when I, when I read that, I was like, oh, there is clearly a power dynamic here that said somebody got to make you a eunuch. This means, quite literally, there were people back in the day that said, I'm choosing you, Man, usually a man, I'm going to castrate you, and you will be a eunuch. Again, there were people who were like this from birth. This, I would like to think, are people like me, who are queer, who might be trans, who might be uh, not like me, but who might be intersex, for instance. There were people who were like this from birth. And then there were those who chose to castrate themselves for religious practices, because they believe that that is what brought glory to the work of God, and we'll get into that a little bit later. So why would this be significant? One, again, this made the eunuch a sexual minority. This made the eunuch, uh, especially in the case, well, in all cases, this made the eunuch unable to take the king's property, right? And what are we really talking about here? The king's property meant his women and therefore the ability to create uh, children. And that would end the lineage that, for that king. So the eunuch uh, in these cases were either made this way or were like this by birth and said, I would love to um, come and hang out with all the women, right? Maybe you were that person who was like, oh, I don't really fit in over here. I'd love to go and hang out with all these women. The eunuch, um, because of this, became often such a revered member of the, the, the court or the um, family, distinguished high and trusted as a court official. They got all the secrets, y'all. So who... So those who chose also 
to become eunuchs, they often were seen as extra spiritual. The people who were able to traverse gender, traverse social uh, norms, and to connect to a spiritual realm that is very different because of the lens that they had. Now, I can only imagine how that might really upset a lot of people in power. That power, that, that patriarchal society that said, it is a male-dominant world, and these are my property. Some religious authorities did not like this because it made them look bad, right? These eunuchs were, and then the people who literally decided to castrate themselves to take on this responsibility of that social, uh, or sorry, that spiritual realm, they were giving up everything to follow God. So what, what happens when people don't like that their power is gone? They made up rules. So they made rules around how eunuchs could not enter the center of worship. And we can see this back in Deuteronomy 23.2, where it says, No one whose testicles are crushed or whose penis is cut off shall be admitted to the assembly of the Lord. Now, it's really important for us to understand that Deuteronomy is a part of this thing called the Mosaic Law, okay? Um, I think if you have been around church world, you've probably heard of Leviticus, right? So there's, there's Deuteronomy, Leviticus, and other books, are all, they all make up this Mosaic Law. And that, y'all, is complicated in itself, right? We see this real big mishmash of good and bad. This is where we hear things like, you can't eat shellfish. You can't have clothes that um, have different types of materials in them. Don't have tattoos. Also, don't be an abomination, right? Which in our society usually means don't be LGBTQ. And also, there's beauty there, right? This is also the place where it said, take care of the orphan and the widow. Jubilee, cancel all debt. So this in itself is complicated. But what's important to know here is that some of these things, we said, you know what, tattoos are fine. And we said, you know what, I like shellfish, I'm going to eat them. <laughs> and then sometimes things got set into stone. These things were meant to distinguish a people from a different people. But some of that has no bearing on who we are today. I want to talk a little bit about uh, this thing called the Council of Nicaea in 325 CE, where they made a ton, oh, there's a police, where they made a ton of decisions about Christianity. And one of the first things they decided was that anyone who willingly got castrated could not be a clergy person. Later, we see people saying like, well, you've taken this eunuch thing really seriously. Sorry, y'all. There's, there's like ambulances happening. Okay, we have taken this really seriously, this thing being a eunuch. There are people in um, history, people like Origen, Marcaeus the Egyptian, and all these other people who took self-castration seriously close to the divine. But, uh, you know, I doubt that that's a really good thing uh, to like promote and be like, hey, come be a Christian. By the way, you have to castrate yourself, right? So what they said then is, of course, they shifted it a little bit 
and they were like, okay, okay, well, don't castrate yourself, but I know, how about you remain celibate? Now, I want to stop here and say things like, this is why we have um, the Pope, for instance, who is supposed to abstain from sexual relations and is celibate. But this piece has been used against me specifically multiple times when I said, hey, I'm queer, and, and I don't think that what God wants for me is to like remain celibate. Now, I know people who are in this camp who um, are celibate and believe deeply that that is what God is calling them to, and I love those people, and they are valid. And also, I believe personally that that is something between God and that person that is not something that had to be put upon me. And in fact, I believe that for me, there, we can see Jesus saying there are three different types of eunuchs here. I was made this way at birth. And so I am going to go out and be who I truly was meant to be. And in fact, even further, I choose to transition as a trans person because I choose to go through a thing that says that this is holy and divine and that says God made me this way and I must change pieces of my body so that I can be in a holy, divine covenant with God to be exactly who I am, to traverse gender, to traverse some social norms that are oppressive and it's complicated, but this is who God has created me to be. There are three different kinds of eunuchs, but I digress. So why is this all significant about this story? Well, I want to just do a little retelling of the story and dive in. All right, so the Ethiopian eunuch, whom, by the way, was one of these people who was the servant to the highest queen, right? So this person came uh, from being held up as something great. They decide to make a long journey to Jerusalem from Ethiopia. They get to the temple, and because um, of that Deuteronomy law that I talked about earlier that said, you are not allowed in the assembly, they were rejected at the temple. So they were turned away. And I don't know about you, but I know what that's like. <laughs> I know what it's like to toil and journey to a church that you think might accept you and reject you. You show up expecting to be welcomed, just like this Ethiopian eunuch, and you're turned away. So the Ethiopian eunuch leaves and starts on their journey back home. And on the way home, they were likely very hurt. And if they're like me and have a little bit of a rage problem, they were pissed. In fact, we see in the, in the reading for today that they were reading the prophet Isaiah, where the writer said, and I quote, in his humiliation, justice was denied him. Now, I bet the eunuch at that moment was resonating with that point. But what's cool here is God. So God intervenes. There's this other guy named Philip 
And Philip is like, do-do-do, running around and preaching the gospel. And God is like, hey, Philip, yo, go south on this road. And Philip's like, all right, God, cool, cool, cool. So off Philip goes, he goes south. And Philip kind of hears, like, somebody yelling. This is my interpretation. Because he's mad, right? The Ethiopian eunuch is mad. And he overhears this person, like, yelling, the prophets. And God is like, hey, yo, Philip, man, go and talk to this person. I have to assume Philip is kind of like, are you sure, God, like, this person seems really angry. In the Bible, it says that Philip can overhear the eunuch reading. And I don't know about you, but that's probably angry. So Philip is like, all right, God, you haven't led me astray. Here I go. So Philip goes up to the Ethiopian eunuch and is like, hey, do you understand what you're reading? Now, this next part, the Ethiopian eunuch looks at Philip and says, how can I unless someone guides me? And when I first read this, I was like, what a weird response. Like, I suppose that's true, but like you're reading, which means that, you know, you must be comprehending something. And then I, stopped, I sat there and I thought, you know, if I had just been turned away from a church and rejected to literally go to a place that was supposed to tell me how to interpret these things, and somebody's like, hey, do you understand what you're reading? I'd give him some snark back too. I'd be like, uh, how can I if nobody will teach me? So, I think that's really interesting. And Philip, I can just imagine being like, hey, like, compassionately, God sent me to you. I see you. Can I help you? So the eunuch is like, oh, okay. Invites Philip into their chariot. And off they start uh, down the road, continue, or continue down the road. And so I imagine, now this isn't in the story, right? But I imagine that the Ethiopian eunuch starts to just unload on Philip and how he was, they were just rejected and talking about the prophet in which they are resonating. And in fact, I bet that they go a little bit further and talk about um, a couple chapters down in Isaiah. So Isaiah 56, 3 through 8, where it says, Do not let the foreigner join to the Lord say, The Lord will surely separate me from his people. And do not let the eunuch say, I am just a dry tree. For thus says the Lord to the eunuchs who keep my Sabbaths, who choose the things that please me and hold fast my covenant, I will give in my house and within my walls a monument and a name better than sons and daughters. And the foreigners who join themselves to the Lord to minister to him, to love the name of the Lord, and to be his servants, all who keep the Sabbath and do not profane and hold fast my covenant, 
These I will bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be accepted on my altar, for my house shall be called a house of prayer for all peoples. Thus says the Lord God who gathers the outcasts of Israel, I will gather others to them beside those already gathered. And so the eunuch pours out their heart to Philip saying they don't, that they don't understand why they were rejected. And there's biblical evidence here in the prophets that say I have a place in the Lord's house. That, that somehow the Lord is coming to collect the outcasts and I am one of them. And I can just imagine Philip hearing this compassionately, aching, but with a little bit of excitement because Philip is like, yeah, 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 yeah. Yo, 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 there is this guy named Jesus. I have to tell you about him. He came and he gathered all the outcasts just like you, the thrown away, and he he came and fulfilled that exact verse you were talking about. Jesus, Jesus is who you need, and Jesus is who you've been waiting for. Now the story, it kind of, you know, it goes really quickly. So the story goes on. The eunuch is like, wow, no way, awesome. Also, let me get baptized. Philip is like, hell yeah, man, here we go, here we go. Uh, Philip baptizes them, them, and then is like, the Lord sweeps up Philip. Philip is gone, and the eunuch goes, you know, gallivanting away with joy and spreads the gospel to the rest of the land, right? However, as I was thinking about this, I'm like, I don't think that that's probably how this went. I think Philip, you know, told all those things to the eunuch, and the eunuch was like, Okay, okay, hold on, hold on. So there's this Jesus, and he did these things? Are you sure? Okay, and you said that this Jesus is also God? Okay, I, I can trust that. But did you hear me when I said that I'm a eunuch? <laughs> Are you sure that Jesus came to come for me? Do you know who I am, though? See, we want to skip ahead to the story where the eunuch jumps away with joy. But it was a long journey. They had to travel to a whole new place from Ethiopia to Jerusalem. They were then rejected, turned back in anger, reading holy texts that said, God is here for me then meet someone who tells them about Jesus, debate probably with Philip about this Jesus, be baptized, and then go away with joy. And we haven't even mentioned all of the trauma and oppression that probably happened to this eunuch um, before they came here, and all the trauma and oppression that they will probably experience when they are gone from this moment. And holy crap, as a black, trans, queer 
person do I resonate with that? Being a black, trans, and queer Christian is a hard road, y'all. I have been rejected from churches. I have been kicked off worship teams and told that it is not your season to lead. I have been fired from an organization that I was trying to love people through me, uh, through Jesus, right? It is a long, hard road, but it is also beautiful because now I get to be at a zao that says that all black lives matter. And when we say that, we mean the black trans ones. We mean the black queer ones. We mean the blacks ace ones. We mean all black lives matter. I get to be in a community that says that trans is beautiful, that all love is love. I get to be a pastor and see all these other people going through the same type of journey that I had to go on, but we do it together now. I don't have to be alone. I now get to skip with joy and proclaim the gospel that Jesus came to collect people like me. And that is the good news. And thank God that Philip listened, right? Because I now, I reject that I need to be silenced anymore as a black, queer, and trans person because I am in the Bible. And I reject that the religious elite that keep us out of the center of the worship are the good ones in the story. And I reject that God does not call people to talk to me about Jesus. And for those people like Philip, I am grateful. And I reject that people like me do not have the divine intervention to spread the word of Jesus to the whole world. And also, this is a journey, y'all. We have to sometimes stop. Before we can go out and spread the gospel, before we can go out and be in beautiful relationships, before we can go out and love others, we have to stop. We have to accept and love ourselves. And I imagine that the Ethiopian eunuch had to go through some of that when, when they were talking to Philip. And they jumped away with joy, but they had to keep doing those things after. So what are the false narratives that people tell you? What are the things that you need to love and accept about yourself to be fully free? What are the things that we need to let go so that we can fully show up to our lives and then to fully show up for each other? Y'all, we gotta love ourselves. Jesus loved us and we are called. We are divine. We are gods. Will you pray with me? God of the outcasts, God of justice and liberation, help us to know how deep your love is for us. 
And out of that love, help us to personally heal. Heal all of the hurt and the brokenness of this world that tells us that we are not enough. Help us to be black as ever, queer as ever, trans as ever, or whoever else we are. Help us to be exactly who you have called us to be. Lord, I want to be filled with that love and that joy of the Ethiopian eunuch. Help me to be filled with that joy.